Hey, it's Kathy. I just want to let you know that I'm doing a free five-day workshop. It's called the Abundance Activation Challenge, and it starts today. And it's not too late for you to join us. Today is the last day to join. Go to kathyheller.com slash five day to sign up. The pre-party has been happening and it's been such a blast. There's so many high vibe women in there who are ready to call in more abundance. I know that you will love that you showed up for this. I'll be live at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Eastern every day this week, teaching you how to become a master manifester. You are just going to have the best time. If you want to join us, sign up at kathyheller.com slash five day. If you want to have a magical life, put on your magical glasses and start seeing that your life is super magical already. And then get to your dream pot and light the fires and make your life a ritual, a ceremony of calling in the magic. I believe that the opposite of depression, it's not happiness, it's purpose. I believe that every single person has something unique to contribute to the world. And that's why I wanted to create a show called Don't Keep Your Day Job. Don't Keep Your Day Job is about figuring out what it is that you were here to do in this world that only you can do to make the world more whole, more beautiful, and to stop selling yourself short, and to stop sitting it out, and to figure out how to take this thing you love, whether it's art, or music, or screenwriting, or dance, or baking, and how do you weave this thing that you love into a life that you get to contribute, that you get to do what you love full-time, because it's not just about business, it's about contribution, it's about meaning. That is what we seek, that is what we truly want, and you absolutely are here to serve the world, and I want to help you figure out just how much value you have inside of you. And every single week, we're going to be talking to people who have something to add to help you get out of your own way, to help you be more successful, to help you be the truest expression of you. My name is Kathy Heller. I'm so glad that you're here. Let's dive in. Thanks to Way for supporting Don't Keep Your Day Job. There's nothing more refreshing than hitting the reset button once in a while. If your hair is a little overdue for the same treatment, it's time for the clarifying detox shampoo from Way. Go to T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and use code DREAMJOB to get 15% off your entire purchase. Also, thanks to Truebill. Over 80% of people have subscriptions they've forgotten about. Truebill is the new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions you don't need, want, or simply forgot about. Go right now to truebill.com slash dreamjob. It could save you hundreds a year. Hey guys, it's Kathy Heller. Welcome back to another episode of Don't Keep Your Day Job. So I'm so excited because today my friend Sherry Salata is back. She's one of the most special human beings I know. She has an incredible story. She was a 7-Eleven store manager, and then she went on to become the executive producer of the Oprah Winfrey Show. And on top of that, she was president of Harpo Studios and the OWN Network. She was basically Oprah's right hand in every way. And now Sherry is taking her own seat at the table and writing best-selling books like The Beautiful No, her memoir that has touched thousands of readers and inspired them to reimagine their lives and become worthy stewards of their own well-being. And she's leading her own programs, retreats, and courses. I'm just so proud of her. And she is truly helping other people to make their own transformations. Sherry and I are actually doing a free workshop. This live workshop is going to be happening this Thursday night, July 29th at five o'clock Pacific Standard Time. It's called Do the Impossible. We're going to talk about how to overcome your limiting beliefs, how to step into your dream life. How do you find that renewed sense of purpose and worthiness? How can you go ahead and do this thing that's been on your heart for so long? 
You can sign up if you go to kathyheller.com slash Sherry, and Sherry is spelled S-H-E-R-I. It's totally free. It's going to be so much fire. Come join us, kathyheller.com slash Sherry, S-H-E-R-I. This episode will give you a little taste of how amazing Sherry is, and, and it will give you a sense of what this workshop is going to be like Thursday night. So I know that you're going to love her as much as I do. Without further ado, please welcome the phenomenal Sherry Salata. So Sherry, I'm going to come unmute you. Hi, everyone. Hi. How good to be with you all. I'm so happy to be with you. You're one of those few humans that's extremely present. So it's just fun to bounce off of your energy and absorb your energy. I know that some people are well aware of you and your you-ness, but some people here might not know a little (laughs) bit about your backstory. So I thought what we would do today is two things. One is talk a little bit about your journey and two, really dig into what it means to have transformation in our life, because this is something that you are such a stand for. So first let's start with you and your own transformation journey, which really sums up your life. Yeah. And it's pretty awesome. So tell us a little bit about the before and then the after and now the during. You know, I knew early on I wanted to be significant, but it took lots of failure and heartache and rejection and disappointment for me to really understand what being significant really means, what it really meant to me. And what that looked like is, you know, for a while I wanted to be a doctor, not because I had this, you know, this craving for medical information, you know, or to take those kinds of classes or do that kind of studying, but because it was kind of like a primetime TV version of doctoring I was interested in. So things like that would always sputter out for me really, really quickly. And I graduated from the University of Iowa, go Hawks. (laughs) And I, I really didn't have a plan, but I wanted to be important. So what did that look like? Is that a briefcase? Is that a a snappy business card? And that led to literally a 14-year odyssey of crazy men and all kinds of different jobs. You know, as a fresh college graduate, I was in a typing pool at a title company. From there, I was the assistant manager at a fancy toy store. Then I was the manager at a crappy toy store where... You, you, you're allergic to everything, every product in there. And onto that, I was a 7-Eleven store. I was a supervisor trainee, but that's not a good story as I literally had to manage a store for eight months. For eight months, I had to learn how to manage a store. And it's what I envision not having been in the military, what I envision boot camp to be hardest thing I've ever done in my life. And, and so just, just on this journey and just, then it'd be like, okay, I hate what I'm doing now. Okay. Move back in with mom and dad and my dog, Addie Lou, she and I moved back in and, you know, then I, I just, I started to tune in and, and basically that journey led me to, okay, finally asking the question, what makes me excited? What do I feel passionate about? Well, I'm kind of bossy. I like to put all the pieces together. I like making people rehearse. I like making sure the show goes on. So, you know, I found my way into agency production and became a a producer of television commercials. 
And that satisfied me for a while. And then the joy factor dropped down because I didn't care about hairspray. And I didn't want to spend 18 hours a day working on hairspray. It lights some people up and it lit me up for a while, but I ran out of gas. And then finally, through the miraculous, mystical, magical web of divine dreams, conjuring led me to the door of Harpo Studios and the Oprah Winfrey Show. And I spent a 20-year career there starting over again at 35 years old, over again in a fairly entry-level position with no power of any kind. I ended the, the last five years of the show. I was the executive producer. And then I was the co-president of Harpo Studios and helped Oprah um, reboot the own network for about five years until I left to begin my, my own thing, my own dream, my, my own destiny. So it's been quite a road I've traveled. It's literally like I see Jennifer Lawrence like playing you and this is, <laughs> it's a movie. And I love that you walked us through details from such an ordinary life comes the most extraordinary possibility. And that's what you are a lighthouse for. And it's so awesome. And we're going to go back into the transformation because that's really where all the meat is. But first, I want you to tell them what happened that she chose you as that person. How did you become the quarterback of the, the well, biggest listen, possible mountain? Listen, if I had strategized that, it would have blown up in my face. But I got some really great advice from my boss in advertising who said, it's going to be a very competitive environment because it's so sparkly. He said, just do what's given to you with utter focus and don't worry about what the next step is. And he's like, don't try to strategize it. Don't try to figure it out. Don't try to promote yourself. Just do what you've been given. And he goes, and I know that Oprah will pluck you out. And that's kind of what exactly what happened. You know, I'd turn around and someone would be like, well, we'd like you to do this job now. And I'd be like, oh, I wouldn't even ask, do I get a raise? I would just go, okay, okay, I'm in. And the reason why I could walk that line with such faith without trying to control it or direct what was going to happen to me was because I knew I was finally on the right path. Like once I walked through those doors, I had enough work experience and life experience to know, oh, this is really good. Everything about this is great. But the piece of the puzzle was it wasn't just that it was Oprah and Harpo Studios and the Oprah show, although that is pretty sexy, I admit. What it was, was I finally had like clicked into after all that trying to make things happen and trying to be important and trying to be significant, I finally clicked into like, what lights me up? I really like this producing. Do I like producing this? Not so much. What would I like to produce? Oh, real people, stories, like, you know, something that, oh, you know what? The sense of mission is going to be important to me. That's going to matter to me. That's going to light me up. That's the significance I was trying to define so poorly early on. 
significance was knowing that what I was investing my heart, my soul, my precious time in mattered and it mattered to me. And I felt like it was a significant impact to the world. What's such a marvel to me, and I want to go back into some of this deeper, but it's just such a marvel, really. It's like a spectacle to think that you were being asked to hold space for her, right? Like hold this space, lead this show, tell me where to go, tell me where to be, give me your advice. You know, like that's almost impossible for a person to be given that task and then to do it successfully without feeling complete and utter imposter syndrome. And boy, did you do it well. Right. (laughs) Oh, there's plenty of times where I'm like, oh my God. I mean, listen, when she brought me in to promote me into the top job, I literally said, I think you're making a mistake. I, th- I don't think this is the right decision, you know, because I knew that people who had spent their lives promoting themselves to get that top job were going to blow a gasket. I'm like, this is not, this is so not. What gonna- was her response to that? Well, of course she was flabbergasted that I would come out and say such a thing. Cause who would, but me, you know, uh-uh, I don't think that's a good, let me listen. Let me be your friend here. This is not a good decision. And she's like, uh, I'm pretty sure it is a good decision. And I'm, I, I asked her to write on a piece of paper, write on a piece of paper why this is right, why I'm the right person. And I framed it and it was on my desk for the, for the rest of my, my working days with her, which was, you're going to rise and soar because you know my heart. And then I went, okay, that I can trust. That I can trust because... Wow. That mattered to me, understanding what it was, not what I wanted to produce. What does she want to produce? What is her message? How do we serve her mission? How do I align, you know, my little Sherry mission with the big Oprah mission? Because that's really what's happening. You know, it's happening right here with all of us together, aligning our, our little missions are coming underneath Kathy's big mission. But Yeah. Once she said that, I'm like, okay, I can trust in that. I don't really have all the skills. I don't really have all the experience. You know, people are going to be really PO'd that they got passed over and that's going to be fun to deal with, but that I can trust in. Every time you tell me this story, that always makes me cry because the more that I have journeyed into the beyond Whenever I meditate, whenever I come home to center, what I am so aware of is that what we really are as a soul is no one, nowhere, no thing, in no place and no time. We are this awareness, this pure consciousness. Right. And when we are dropped into that place, nobody cares if you were a supervisor at 7-Eleven If you have black hair or blonde hair, if you're 39 or 14 or 47, you know my heart, period. Boom. End of sentence. sentence. And this is where the magic all took place for you. And so let's really like, let's witness that. Let's really witness that that's the key to unlock the most mystical transcendent experience you know my heart. That's, that was the qualification. 
that I was looking for. And you then knew you got me. I can trust that. Not, oh, because, you know, the packages you've been putting out or the da 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 Because you had been producing before that. You had already moved up and up and up and there was other people. Yeah, and it I wasn't been, about that. I'd been, I'd skipped over steps, you of know? Of course. So I was like, eh, okay, now I'm supervising people, but I've only produced two shows. Okay. <laughs> like it was, it was, it was crazy like that. But I always went back to that original advice. What do you want me to do? Let me do my best at it. Okay. Uh, okay. You know, and it really wasn't until that moment in Oprah's office when I was like, this, this is not a good decision. Let me help you here. Um, Let me help but, you. Miss Winfrey, I have something to say to you. Yes, You're wrong. About you. Somebody else was in the room when she made that offer. And afterwards they're like, uh, you know, when somebody's offering you something like really telling them it's a bad idea. And I go, <laughs> oh, I will always speak my truth. I will always speak my heart. I'm not trying to pull the wool over anybody's eyes here. So here's where I want to go back to, because it's also so much a part of your book, The Beautiful No, and you you alluded to it, where you went from job to job to job, and you said, yeah. and then I finally asked myself a question, like, what do you actually desire? What actually feels fun? And oh my God, is it so good. It's so good. And I want people to hear this because so often we are busy and we are busy. And that which we say yes to means we are saying no to something else. And finally, you had this bigger thought, which is instead of getting the next job, let me ask a question. What really lights me up? That's a bold, courageous pivot to start asking a question like that. And then you said, I started dancing in the world of dreams. So let's talk about that because that's everything. Yes. And the way you're describing it, I sound a little more together than I was. And that is looking back on it. I can see that's what happened. What it looked like in reality was misery. It looked like I hate doing this. I can't get out of bed. All I want to do is drown myself in cheese. And those yearnings for creativity, those yearnings for expression, for, you know, putting something together that was meaningful and sharing it were undefined by me. Like I I couldn't grasp at it and I could not make myself make a change until I was miserable. Like, it wouldn't be like, yeah, I'm not sure this is for me. It would be like, I hate this. I can't, you know, I can't go on. It would be much more dramatic and much more chaotic. It's like the universe would be like, okay, we're going to make you so miserable in the next two weeks that you're going to have to make a change. Mm-hmm. Or you won't be able to go on. And then a change would have to be made. And speaking of being forced, a big crux of the beautiful no, there's a lot of different beautiful no's. But one of them gave you your wings because you got this huge rejection from a job you thought that was the dream job. Can you talk about that a little bit? Well, yeah. You can imagine at 35, I still haven't totally zeroed in on it. I'm now a trained agency producer, but I've left to freelance because I didn't really like the clients I was on. And I knew this wasn't the end game. And I'm like, well, what am I supposed to do now? I thought I had figured this out. So freelancing, for those of you who freelance, is very challenging because you're also a salesperson. You're not just doing the work. You must sell your skills for money, which it turned out I wasn't so great at. So now I have no money. I don't think I'm going to be able to make my rent. I have 
this skilled ability to produce television commercials. Um, but I have now put myself in very desperate straits. And I finally got this big interview at a top agency in Chicago through a friend. And so she had really talked me up and I went in and it was like the guy all but hired me in the room. It was so gorgeous because he was like, you're perfect. I'm going to pay you top dollar. I'm going to put you on all the best accounts. You're exactly what I need. And I mean, I was like, oh my God, I can't believe it. Now, remember when I told you that hairspray wasn't lighting me up? I was over that. It's like, I need money. I don't care what it is, you know, and you're going to give me this fancy job. That's so great. I left there. I was floating because it was the answer to my financial, my life's messed up again, prayers. So through the party with my friends at our local watering hole, pop the champagne, you know, then let's not get ahead of ourselves, but oh, this is so great. And then he never calls. And he doesn't call this day or that day or this day or that day. And finally, the form letter arrives from the HR department saying we're not hiring at this time. Yep. It was a blow. It was like, oh, my God, I'm going to have to move back in with my parents. Luckily, I have them to lean on. But now it's humiliating and embarrassing. And, you know, I, I just feel like the biggest loser. And. I do remember feeling like my hands were open, like I'm out of moves. I don't know what else to do. I feel as low as I've ever felt. I don't know what to do next. And shortly thereafter, there's a message on my answering machine. This is so-and-so from the Oprah Winfrey show. We were cleaning out a closet and found your resume and your VHS tape of commercials Will you come in and talk to us about freelancing here? And I'm like, oh my God. Now it was a, a little while later. I mean, it might even been a couple of years when I put this together that, oh, if I had gotten that big ad job, which was I think paying, it's hard for me to remember what money was like. Because there's inflation. It was probably five. I mean, it was probably like 65, 70 grand, like woo. And um, it would have solved everything. And I'm like, if he would have hired me and I had gotten the insurance, the benefits, the money relief, the big fancy clients, that personal egoic sense of importance again, like I have a place to go every day and, and I'm senior, you know, whatever. Would I have left that to go take a chance freelancing at the Oprah show? I will tell you right now, I would not have. There are some who would have said, not me. I wouldn't, I, there's no way. And I know that. So what I realized is that is the most beautiful no I've ever gotten in my life. That no made it possible for everything that happened after. And then I started to think, what if this is a foundational spiritual principle? What if? rejection, disappointment. He doesn't, he's not that into you. That's not going to work out. Uh, No, this isn't the right job. No doors shutting, doors shutting, rejection, rejection. What if those no's are all beautiful? 
what if we can figure that out for ourselves and kind of collapse time? I think of all the times I've spent being miserable over those closed doors. What if I knew almost I had my human moment and then I pulled myself together and said, oh, this is going to be interesting to see how this turns out because I know, I know the universe has my back. I know this is leading to something amazing. I'm just going to get really curious to see what is the next chapter in this story. It's so unbelievably good. That's what's available to us. That was the big proof. That was the, oh my gosh, there is something going on. When I had applied years before to the Oprah show, it was on a lark. I knew TV and and commercials, very different completely different businesses. And I knew that I didn't have the experience they were looking for. And sure enough, that's what they told me. And I let it go. I'm like, okay, yeah, I got that. But here's what happened. This is how the universe works. They brought in somebody who had been at MTV, who wanted promo producers with agency experience. She's like, "Mm, I don't want to look at the same people who are from TV stations, bring in somebody who has agency experience. Well, they'd never considered anybody like that. So they're like, whoa, mad scramble, digging through the old closet and they find me. I mean, it's crazy. It's crazy. But but that was waiting there. I had the impulse to apply. I didn't get it. That resume and that VHS tape just sat in that closet. Off I went, you know, bemoaning my fate. You just see how the universe is like, okay, you owe my so much drama you're creating, Sherry. So much drama. Have a little trust. There's a timing. There's a timing. There's a timing. What I needed to be doing was managing my mood and enjoying the days I I had. You know, it's like, I have this day. What am I going to do with it? Because I know it's all getting lined up. And what's really extraordinary to watch the unfolding And the rising is that really that was the before all of that every and and Sherry, by the way, let's just to make everything super clear. So as executive producer of that show, even when she was producing before she was executive producer, you know, she's sitting in the living room with the greatest mind society has in this moment. Anybody from Eckhart Tolle to Steven Spielberg, these are the people that Sherry can now there's a relationship at a high level. But beyond the fact that that was what that was, what I'm witness to now, what the world is getting witness to is that was the precursor to the Sherry Salata show. Like you are now finally taking your seat on the dais and saying, hmm, I guess if that was where I was, I was there because of something in me. It was who I am. And I learned all of these pieces to sort of put together a composite in addition to what I already knew. And now Sherry is writing books and she's teaching people how to design their life and has a very successful following and a very engaged following. And it has so much more to do with you than a job that you had. Like it is just so self-evident. Everybody's been writing such nice things about you. One of the things that people keep writing is just how genuine you are, how sincere you are. It just speaks volumes and it it all lines up. Everything lines up that again, you are such a soul. This conversation is such fire. Before we keep going, we're going to thank our sponsors. 
A few weeks ago, I went through all the subscriptions I had been paying for, and it was shocking how many I forgot I had, but I was still paying for them. It's a good idea to get rid of all those useless subscriptions because it's such a hassle to actually remember and then figure out how to cancel them. That's why you need Truebill. Truebill is the new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions that you don't need, want, or simply forgot about. See all your subscriptions in one place, keep the ones you want, cancel the ones you don't, right there from the app. They even give you a Truebill concierge who's there when you need them to cancel unwanted subscriptions so that you don't have to. No talking to humans and no difficult conversations. Truebill has over 2 million users and helped save them over 100 million. And on average, people are saving thousands a year with Truebill. One of their users, Matt, said he saved $660 for the year on his direct TV bill and $840 a year on car insurance. There have been so many services that I wanted to try out for my business, so I would sign up for the free trial, and once that happened, I would forget to cancel the subscription. So I used Truebill, and they make it super easy to track down all those subscriptions. I found out I had been spending thousands of dollars on things I wasn't even using, especially things that my kids had downloaded when they're using my phone, but now I can put all that money towards something that will actually help to grow my business and help my family. So don't fall for subscription scams. Start canceling today at truebill.com slash dream job. Go right now to truebill.com slash dream job. It could save you hundreds a year. Truebill.com slash dream job. Recently, my team and I cleaned out our inbox and I have to say it always feels so good to hit the reset button in any area of our lives. If your hair is a little overdue for the same treatment, it's time for the clarifying detox shampoo from Way. And sometimes our hair can take a lot of experimentation and sometimes outright neglect. But it's never too late to hit the reset button with the Clarifying Detox Shampoo from Way. Use it just once a week to neutralize product buildup, oil, dirt, and hard water from your hair and scalp without stripping away moisture. They use a combination of apple cider vinegar and keratin that exfoliates and balances your scalp, plus smooths frizz and creates a lustrous shine. Plus, they have a full collection of cruelty, sulfate, and paraben-free hair care, body, and fragrance products. My hair can get dry sometimes, and since I've been on the road lately, I really feel like I could just use that reset. I can't wait to go back and use my shampoo because it's always the thing that makes my hair feel so smooth and soft and really gives it that shine that brings it back to life. When you're ready to undo some damage, hit the reset button with the Way Detox Shampoo. Go to T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and use code DREAMJOB to get 15% off your entire purchase. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, code DREAMJOB. I want to talk about manifesting dreams because this is something that you are so good at doing, helping other people do. And I think you and Oprah are both really good at that. Like she's great at saying to somebody like, I will wave the wand over your head because I know you're meant for this and boom, right? And you do that too. That I mean, I think in a way you did that together for a period of time. But what does that look like when you're saying you were working all these jobs and then right. something shifted? For somebody who's in that place now, for somebody who didn't get that call yet from the Oprah show that they were cleaning out the closet. How do we begin to understand how to access the path of the beautiful magic that just starts to unfold before us? So I am on the path along with all of you and I am tweaking and figuring it out with all of you. So I can tell you what I think I, what I, what my knowing is right now is that I thought for a very, very long time that dream manifestation was a doing business. And that isn't quite right. It's definitely a being business. It is spiritual work, always spiritual work. Everything about what we're talking about is spiritual work. And that if your number one job is 
lining up with that force. And what does that look like? That means that you're focused on the story you tell to your, yourself in your head about yourself. You're choosing your vocabulary very, very in a focused way. You're going, oh, oh, uh-uh, not helpful. Stop that old thread where mm, you're so this, you're so that, you don't look right, you're not enough. Whatever those stories are, you begin to excavate those stories. You take a look at them. You bless them because they thought they were trying to help you and you send them on their way and you deliberately choose new words and a new story that you're going to tell yourself about your new dream. You're not going to manifest your new dreams while you're singing those old songs. That is the truth. And when I tell you that, that discombobulated way that I found my way to like my dream, the beginning of my dream at 35, it's because I was too busy trying to do and make it happen instead of doing that spiritual work that I'm talking about. Like, what are you saying to yourself? How are you managing your mood, managing your vibration? How are you stirring the dream pot? You know, it, dreaming isn't one and done. It's a muscle. It's a daily practice. It's like, what do I want now? It's like allowing yourself to just grasp onto that little bit of hope that you can live the life of your dreams. You don't have to figure out the details. You're going to go leave the details to the divine as you understand it, but you're going to have fun dreaming up the what, and then raising your energy to match that. That's it. That's it. That's the secret. And, oh, I can say that right now. And tomorrow I could be in a big stew about something and have to walk myself back and say, you're creating something right now. Is this what you want? A big chaotic jangle or, or delaying the dream? No, you want to be curious, 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 like, okay, you're like, whoo, the party's about to start. The guests are coming. Whoo, what's about to happen? And then just noticing with great appreciation, the stuff that's already working and the good stuff that drops in your lap. And that's what you pay attention to. Not, not what hasn't happened yet. It's so good. I read something from Gabby Bernstein earlier today. She said, worry is a prayer for chaos. Yes. I was like, oh my God. Wow. So oh, listen. Good. And I'm, I'm from a long line of worriers. I mean, my mom and dad were worry, 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 worry. And even now I have to make my 84 year old father do breathing exercises with me on the phone. I'm like, why? Now it's a pattern that's so ingrained. I said, I almost can't talk you out of your worries, even though I can show you that 99% of them never came to pass. But worry is a form of prayer. Yeah. And the thing that's really incredibly powerful about this, first of all, everything in the quantum field, there is a potential vibrational match for whatever your vibration is, right? And that's why you're one of my go-to examples when I want to viscerally feel this. I think about the conversation we had once where you said I was just as worthy when I was standing at 7-Eleven selling cups of coffee as I was later on when I was looking at tape and telling Liz Gilbert where to sit or whatever else, right? That's right. That to me is one of the biggest leaps is the you are going to receive that which you are worthy 
yeah. of receiving. If you have a mailbox and the slot is this big, you can put letters in it, but not packages. It's just not big enough to that's receive good, a package. That's good. Yes. I just thought of that yesterday. That's really <laughs> good. Well, that, that is, that's the worthiness gap. Like right. you, you just will only let so much in. Right. So that's why I love going back to no ego, no self, nowhere, no thing, nada. You are this awareness. And when you're in a state of awareness, your consciousness, your pure consciousness, right? How can you say you're not worthy? Who are you eating? Anyway, you're no one, you're nothing, no thing, no one, no nada, no place, nowhere. Of course you're worthy. <laughs> you are an extension of, of divinity, of divine light, of goodness, of all that. But that is interesting. And so I want to talk about people don't even allow themselves to ask, right? We shun our desires. So we don't even have the courage to ask for what we want. Why? Because we don't feel that we're worthy enough to receive them. So we better dim them down. So it's the asking and then it's the worthiness of stepping into so that you actually are that mailbox that's available for those big packages. How can you explain that in your own words? Here's what I notice. I notice this with longtime friends. I notice this with women I'm working with that we need to check ourselves and look for patterns of continuously telling our stories of defeat, disappointment, heartache, heartbreak. I used to be married. He was awful. I used to have money. I, he stole it all. You know, wh whatever those stories are, we almost feel like we have to get them out on the table when we meet somebody. It's like, okay, yeah, but here's what I've been through. And, and that's very dramatic, the way I'm describing it. Although true, 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 it's like the stories that you are telling yourself about your life are casting your fate. If you believed that, you would never do it again. If you really, really believed that, you would <sighs> never do it again. You are casting your fate. You're a conjurer. You're a Merlin. You're a magician. This is, if you want to have a magical life, put on your magical glasses and start seeing that your life is super magical already. And then get to your dream pot and light the fires and make your life a ritual, a ceremony of calling in the magic. And it, it certainly does not begin with ongoing storytelling about how life has done you wrong. You got to find a way to acknowledge, feel it fully, excavate it all, all the poison, allow yourself to feel it and go to the fire and light it up. I love it. I love the stirring the dream pot. That's got to be your talk show or it's got to be your next book or something. You're going to love your time with Joe Dispenza and I've learned so much from him and loved that week with him. And one of the things that he taught me was this idea that they took a magnetometer and were measuring eggs, all kinds of eggs from reptile eggs to goose eggs. And they even did it with women, pregnant women. And they found that there was always a positive charge where the head was and a negative charge where the feet were. And when there's a positive and a negative charge, it creates a magnet literally. It's amazing. Like we really have been conditioned to believe a lie, which is that matter changes matter. And when we are in the body and we're not in the head, 
guess what? They don't feel any magnet. When you're in the past, when you are biologically and chemically grounded into your old feelings, there's no magnet on that magnetometer. Isn't that insane? That means that when you're thinking what you, what you thought yesterday and yeah. you're feeling what you felt yesterday, you're in fight or flight, you're in the body. So there's only the negative charge. So there is no magnet. So what we really have to get is we are not matter, right? And we can't make a dream come from matter because matter can't change matter. And when we're in the body, we're now matter. We're not energy. We are energy and energy makes things. So if you want the lights to be on, you literally have to light up here. And then we, we are vibration, right? You can feel when someone walks in the room where there's a, there's a magnet, there's something that's being pulled towards them, right? So we're always pulling things towards us and like attracts like. So it's important that we really get that in order to do this, we have to take that journey across the river of overcoming this past predictable person, personality, and- it's, to have the same, to just live that same life over and over and over again. And all our power is right here, right here, right here, right now, right now, right now. This is our powerful moment. And the past, it's like it never happened. It's like, you know, the, the only productive use of the past that I have found is when you can overcome what's already in our DNA, our survival strategy is to only remember the negative stuff to give that a a, a big arena. But if you can just be just almost like chanting appreciation for every single wonderful, blessed, beautiful thing that's ever happened to you, that's a good use of it. You know, in fact, even for those of you who are writers and are working on your memoir, there are times when I'm like, eh, you know, I, 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 I separate myself energetically from my yes. old stories. Yes. Like even when I'm talking to you, it's like, I'm talking about somebody else, you know, I'm talking about, Oh, this is me. I got, I have this amazing story for you about what happened to this girl. Yep. Because I don't want to activate all that. No. Stuff. So it's different. It's more of a, um, let me hold up some either. So it's a rallying cry or a cautionary tale, depending on where you sit. Yeah. And what we know from psychology is that when we revisit the past without an emotional charge to it, it turns into pure wisdom. Yes. It's just wisdom. So that's when it becomes a rallying cry or it's a tale of like, this is what I learned from it. Yeah. Beauty in that. Yeah. Reframing is a great tool for that. And also, you know, there's undealt with wounds and pain. Mm Mm-hmm. So you, you got to bring it out to the light. Shame, shame's a big one. Shame is a dream killer. You got to, you know, bring it all out to the light, you know, witness it, be witnessed, realize, especially like in a group like this, you start to see that, okay, it's a shared human experience. I'm not the only one who struggles with this, with self-worth, with not enoughness, with the pain of my childhood, the disappointments and things that don't work out. I'm not the only one who's had awful things, experienced awful things. I'm not the only one who's walked through fire. And when we start to witness that in one another, all of a sudden our hearts get lighter. And I think I told you this, Kathy, like for me, I'm a behind the scenes person. Like the thought of, first of all, releasing my memoir and then having to go out and talk about it. Oh my God. It was like hives and sweating. And 
And I was like, oh, why did I do this? I didn't need to do this. Why did I do this? Lots of resistance, lots of resistance. And then I was like, well, too late, sister. You're got to go. So off I go. And here's what I'm going to tell you. In two or three weeks time, I am like, oh, I see. This was a healing for me. It would take something of this magnitude, publishing a memoir and being on a book tour for me to, first of all, even allow this kind of healing. You know, I, I thought I'd been there, done that. She produced every story. But when I'm sitting there with groups of people and we're sharing our stories and I'm like, and I just see, oh, when we bring light to this, when we witness one another, I'm the one who's healed. I'd walk away from one of those things and I'd be like, oh my gosh, I feel 10 years younger. I feel lighter. I feel like I'm more aligned in my spirit. I feel like I don't care about any of that. I'm not like trying to withhold. I'm not trying to disguise. I'm not trying to put on a, a mask. I'm like, yeah, there it is. It's all in there. All in there. I don't know if you've ever read this book. You probably have. You probably are best friends with her. You know everybody. But I'm reading this book right now. It's called Women, Food, and God. Do you know this book? Oh, yeah. Janine Roth. Yeah. I mean, yeah. how did I like not know who she was? This book is so yeah. unbelievable. And she's basically yeah. saying that we resist so much feeling the feeling of abandonment or, or shame or whatever the bad feeling is. And so we fill it up with a Snickers bar or scrolling on our phone yeah. or obsessing yeah. over moving somewhere again, yeah. reading the house. And she basically has helped me just reading this book in the last week. Cause she said, when you go toward the pain, a, you realize it doesn't annihilate you. And B, there's something bigger than the pain holding the pain, which That's is right. integrated. And you're free in that place. You're completely right. free. You're not running from yourself. Can you talk about okay. that for a second? Well, first of all, I am going to tell you about the amazing Janine Roth because it's perfect for what we're saying. So there's Janine Roth. She has a terrible, terrible, terrible eating disorder. And she heals herself and then heals millions of women around the world, women, food, and God. She has uh, some other books on that. Then how about this one? She and her husband lose all their money in the Bernie Madoff freaking scheme. She's built all this money, best-selling author, world, loses all their money. Oh my God. Broke and not young. Then now she's battling cancer. Yeah, I heard that. And you can follow her on Instagram and see how she's moving through it. But here's the lesson. We cannot protect ourselves from the humanness of this experience. Yes. There's not enough protection of warding off, worrying anxiety that we can do to protect ourselves from the experience of being human. We might as well go after the life of our dreams, build resilience, and understand that we can walk through fire whenever it presents itself like, like Janine, that that is the path of transformation. And we're going to have all the human experiences, the grief, the pain, the disappointment, the sorrow, and also the joy, the triumph, the fun, the, the peace, the contentedness. It's so good. I'm doing a class right now with John Kabat-Zinn, who I'm also like obsessed with. And I just love whenever he says something so powerful and so simple as you don't have to push the river, just sit beside it 
just sit beside it. And then, and then he says something like, if you're so eager to leave the present moment for a better moment, are you ever going to be present in any moment? Because you're so sure that another moment is better than the present moment. It's like, it is this feeling of it's, it's not that it's about attaining joy all the time. It's an equanimity. It's a things are as they are. And this gets to be my juicy moment to be with whatever's here. And like you said, there will be that humanness of in every moment, there's probably a shadow side of some grief or some pain and also the swooping birds overhead and the, and the abundant feeling you have that almost makes you want to go to fear because you feel so much joy about something that it's almost hard to let that in too. And if we can just sit by the river and just listen and look at it rather than pushing it or putting a boulder in the way, it's like just where are we going? That's really, really great. I'm writing that down from my little notebook. You well, don't have to push the river. That's I, all his. Years, years and years pushing the river. And isn't that interesting that even what you were saying just now, we're never going to be in our, our lives are going to remain unlived if we're unwilling to sit and, and suck the juice out of the present moment. Yep. It's an unlived experience. If you're not going to be like, oh, breath in, breath out. Here's this moment. It's good. In this moment, nothing is wrong. And when you touch ground with this feeling of equanimity, for me, I would rather choose being in center, even if it means that something I have to face is is a, a difficult feeling, but at least I'm in integrity rather than some... Well, it has to look like this because that for sure would feel better. It's like, no, nothing to me is scarier than being out of that alignment where I can just sit with what is. Like, I can't do it anymore. It's so exhausting. And then, yeah, like you said, you're not living your life. And speaking of living your life, I want to touch on what you've been helping people to do and, and what you do so well in your own life, which is designing your life. Oh, and I want you to tell them first where that even came from, because it's such a great anecdote. Oh, and that's such a talk, great story. And then I want to talk about how we actually can design our life. Okay. So for, for, you know, when, I, when I look back on my years at the Oprah show, I almost can't re- remember most of it because it was a blaze and it was very fast paced, high stress. And so, certainly I was pushing the river. No question about it. And Jerry Seinfeld had come to the show and we were backstage by the control room. And I would say he and Oprah and I were talking, but really he and Oprah were talking and I was standing there and, you know, she was kind of bemoaning our schedule. Well, now we got to go upstairs because you throw two weddings a day, you know, with 500 person audiences and, oh my God. and then you'd go upstairs and have four hours of meetings on tomorrow, the next day, next oh my week. God. It, was, it was a lot. And Oprah was talking about that. And I probably was chiming in like, yeah, Jerry, it's so much. It's so hard. (laughs) And Jerry looked at Oprah and said, wow, but this life is yours to design. It's yours to design. Hmm. Hmm. And later on, we're like, oh my God. It's like, Jerry took us to task. Like, but it's yours to design. What are you, what are you saying? It's yours to design. 
you don't like how it's going, but it's yours to design. I've never forgotten that. And it, and it sits with me because I would be the first person to say that I have no control over my schedule, that it's just from dawn till dusk and people need me, you know, my family needs it. I'm at the effect of everybody else and every other situation that I'm not the manager, that I'm not the creator, but of course I am. These are all the yeses I said yes to. And so it's yours to design. So the reason why I like this conversation so much is because I need it the most. I need to keep reminding myself, what is it you want? How are you going to get there? What is the energy you want to surround yourself with? What are the like-minded travelers that you want to be on this path with? I'm just really not interested in anything less than that anymore. I can't sit around with people who want to complain the whole time. I can't do it. And, And it's not because I'm better than it's because I've been there. I know what that yields, a big mess and a lot of unhappiness and a a lack of appreciation for this wondrous, magical experience we're given. So yeah, yours to design. So I think about that a lot. I think a, a lot about when I have that old pattern language of what I have to do. I have to, I'm so busy because I have so much patterning around that. I have to do that focused attention that I was talking about earlier, I got to pay attention to what I'm saying. I got to pay attention to the story I'm telling myself because all my time is free time. I make all the choices. The more pauses and space I can put in my life now, the better. And you know what taught me that, Kathy? It's the whole world shutting down over a pandemic because even when I think I've got it, then I really can't do anything and go anywhere. I'm like, wow, this is space. I was kidding myself before. So, you know, here's what it is. It isn't like that old way. It's very much a a patriarchal thing where you make a list of goals and you check them off and check them off. And when you're done checking them off, off, you're a superhuman being. The art of the path of transformation is life management. It is an ongoing tweaking Checking in, how does this feel? Does this feel good? How am I feeling about this? Like, and and let me, does this feel better? Okay, I'm going to do this because this feels better. It isn't like I'm going to, you know, do this practice every day for the rest of my life. It's like, hmm, I might rearrange some things, but I'm going to build my list of practices that support the life that I say I want. And I'm going to pay attention to what my pattern, my thought patterns are around it. So designing your life is really a commitment to presence. How do I feel? How do I feel? Yeah, it's amazing. And it's so often that we don't design it based on how does this really feel? It's more like, well, I've looked at what I think is possible or what I think is practical or what I think I should do. And then we wonder why we feel like we need an extra, you know, donut or more rosé or we scroll our phone longer. It's like we are herald in the purple crayon and we get to draw this out. Like what would feel so good and so exciting because when that enthusiasm lights up, that's the juice. That's going to help you magnetize other people to it and just buckle up because that's where you step into the unknown. And it's amazing. It's a ride. 
And one little thing I would add to that, and it, which is really important, is lots of compassion. I still have days when I just binge watch something and grouse a little bit. Mm-hmm. But it's a day, not a way of life. And I always come back to compassion, like, of course, there's human stuff going on. There's the events of the world going on. I just don't want them to create my life anymore. Well, part of being present is not running away from feeling a feeling. And sometimes you're going to need to feel the feeling for 14 hours. And sometimes it's eight days. And that's part of it. This, this idea that we actually need to be productive all the time keeps us from being productive. That's again, that's the shame. Like, who am I to slow down? It's like, who says you shouldn't binge watch a show and give yourself a total mind break and watch some, you know, bachelor, like who says that's bad? Who decided that? And um, one of the things you said about shame is what I see, which is interesting, is that one of the biggest pieces of shame that comes up for people is the shame around being happy. And who am I to stop and watch a show? Who am I to even dream a dream? I should be this. I should be that. Joy is actually our default. We know how to turn on the music and let ourselves go. We know how to marvel at things. When Look at children. Look at the way that and then we, we stop ourselves, which is so out of alignment, out of integrity. So I find that really interesting. I wonder what you have to say about that, the, the idea of having shame around having too much joy. Well, listen, there's a great expression from one of our fave spiritual teachers, Abraham Hicks, which is how good can you stand it? Yes. yes. I mean, that's all you're going to allow in. How good can you stand it? So and when you'd be like, well, what does that mean? You know, no. We have a practice capacity for happiness. And in order to receive more, to feel more happiness, to attract more joy into our lives, we've got to work on expanding that. And it goes back to what we were talking about, that there's not enough worrying you can do to ward off the human experience. You know, everybody on this Zoom can attest to... You can't skip around tragedy. You know, people are going to die. It's awful things are going to happen. And you are going to still have to walk the human experience. But how are you going to do it? That's the question. So taking a look at what is your capacity for happiness? Why do you drop that ceiling down? Is it because you're afraid you're going to be disappointed? That's possible. Or you felt so unhappy so many times that you don't want to get your hopes up again. Or you dismiss happiness as a fluffery, duffery Hallmark card, and you don't see it as this vibrant, powerful stance, happiness. It's this energy of just joy and wonder and contentment and peace and just falling in love with yourself and your life experience. What if we made that the choice and then it becomes the compass? When we were talking about those early days and I said, oh, misery was my compass. That's what I was doing. I wouldn't make a move compass wise until I was so miserable I couldn't stand it. But what if we said happiness is my North Star? Happiness is my compass. Happiness is my daily choice because it's mine to design. So what are the practices? What are the things? What am I going to allow in the people, the content, 
the experiences, what am I going to allow in that I know that's going to support my choice of happiness? That's the detective game, the detective work of transformation. That's the fun. Like, what is it? It's so, so, so good. Everything you just said. One of the best things that's ever hit my eardrums is what you just said in the last four, five minutes. And it makes me think about the idea that we talk so much in this program about radical empathy, you know, and having empathy for other people. And what I just want to do to simplify it so much is to have us see that in this conversation, we've been talking about vibration and we just talked about joy and we've talked about fear. And so much of the fear is what keeps us from being in a state of joy, but there's really only two things there's a positive and a negative charge, right? So it's either fear or love. And the thing is, you guys, that when we are vibrating from love, right? When we're not in the place of trying to protect ourselves from our desires, and therefore we're so self-involved because we're really not in the flow and we are trying to defend ourselves from everything. And we're not this positive charge up here in the state of creation. When we're not in that place, we're not in a, in a, in a vibration of love. But when we are in a vibration of love, whatever it is that brings you joy, if what brings you joy is beading necklaces, if what brings you joy is making candles, if what brings you joy is gathering people to go on nature walks, you don't even need to do any somersaults around the radical empathy and who's your client. It's called literally being in that vibration. Everyone wants to be around it. That is radical empathy. That's getting over yourself and into the flow of a vibration that feeds other people. Love literally loves people into life. It literally gives people nutrition on a level that they need so badly. And when we vibrate that way, not only does all the magic come together, but you can build any business from that place that because that is the epitome of empathy for other people is moving out of our protective mode and into the love just that is the highest vibration, but it means taking your hands off that retaining wall and diving in. And Sherry, you're like my greatest, you're one of the greatest teachers in my life. Every time I talk to you, I feel like I arrive at like a knowing that like, I didn't know that I knew. Same, same. We're soulmate friends. You're incredible. And that was so nourishing for the soul and the mind. And I say, you're like a shaman. I don't say that about anybody else. It's just what you are. And I love watching you know the truth about who you are more and more and just continue to give it. It's awesome. Love you, Kath. Love, I you. love you. Thank you for being here today for such a long time. This was so delicious. Everybody. Thank you, everybody. Gosh, I mean, how incredible was that? Sherry is the best. Remember, if you want to join us for this free live workshop that we're doing this Thursday night, July 29th, go to kathyheller.com slash Sherry, S-H-E-R-I. You can get all the details there and I can't wait to see you guys. All right, here are the takeaways. Number one, just do what's given to you with utter focus and don't worry about what the next step is. Don't try to strategize or figure it out. Number two, what if rejection, disappointment, and all the closed doors are beautiful no's? The universe has your back, so you have to have a little trust. There's a timing. Enjoy the day you have and get curious to see what's the next chapter in your story. Number three, dream manifesting is not a doing business. It's a being business. It's spiritual work. Your number one job is lining up with that force. 
force. Number four, you can't manifest new dreams while singing old songs. Excavate those old stories, look at them, bless them, and send them on their way. Then deliberately choose new words and a new story that you're going to tell yourself about your new dream path. Number five, we can't protect ourselves from the humanness of this experience, so we might as well go after the life of our dreams. We can walk through fire whenever it presents itself. That is the path of transformation. Number six, this life is yours to design. Number seven, we have a practice capacity for happiness. In order to receive, feel, and attract more joy in life, we have to work on expanding that. Make happiness your compass. And number eight, the stories you tell yourself about life are casting your fate. If you want a magical life, then put on your magical glasses and start seeing that your life is already super magical. Then light the fire and stir the dream pot and make life a ritual, a ceremony of calling in the magic. So we put these takeaways together with some exercises into a gorgeous free workbook. If you want to go download that, you can go to kathyheller.com slash 484. And if you know someone who's yearning for more, who's eager to design their life and manifest their dreams, but they don't know the steps, then not only can you share this episode in this workbook with them, but you could let them know, come this Thursday night. You should be there this Thursday night. It's going to be awesome. It's live. It's free. It's me and Sherry with you. For 90 minutes, we're going to be talking about what are the steps to really design this dream life? What are the ways that you're going to be able to put one foot in front of the other and do that which has been on your heart for as long as you can remember? Thank you so much for listening. I know you have so much going on. We have a lot of amazing episodes coming soon. So please subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. And if you're loving listening to the show, then please leave a rating and a review because it helps people find the podcast. Let's keep growing this mission. Let's keep getting more people on the path to living the life that they deserve to be living. Don't forget, you can register for the live workshop with me and Sherry on how to do the impossible. Sign up at kathyheller.com slash Sherry so that you can grab your seat and hang out with us this coming Thursday night. And let me know if you got something out of this conversation. I'm on Instagram at kathy.heller and Sherry is on Instagram at Sherry Salata, S-H-E-R-I-S-A-L-A-T-A. You can tag her if you post about it. I'm sure she would love to see that you enjoyed this. I love you. I'll leave you with a song of mine and I'll talk to you tomorrow. The podcast is a production of Authentic. For more info on advertising in this show, visit AuthenticShows.com. 